My name's Neil Williamson. I'm the curator of Whitby Lifeboat Museum, former lifeboat man, uh, supporter of the RNLI. I was a lifeboat man in the 1970s on both the inshore lifeboat and the offshore lifeboat at Whitby. Um, I had to leave that because of my employment, because I had to move away. And then when I came back to Whitby, there's still a strong connection with myself and the, and the lifeboat. Uh, I was asked to take over the uh, curatorship of the museum by the then curator, Peter Thompson. Whitby's obviously got a long history of having a connection to the RNLI. The lifeboats first came to Whitby in 1802 and the RNLI took control of the boats in 1861 after a fateful storm when uh, the, the lifeboat was lost with 12 of the 13 crew. Um, the museum is based in a Victorian double-fronted boathouse that was built in 1896. At that time, it, we had two rowing lifeboats based at Whitby, and uh, both of them in the boathouse, both Ruby-class vessels. The boathouse was operational until 1958. Uh, Whitby had its first motor lifeboat in 1919, so after that date, only one of the bays was used as a lifeboat bay. The other became surplus, and it eventually became a shop for the RNLI. And uh, the then um, secretary to, of Whitby Lifeboat, Eric Thompson, spoke to the then chairman of the RNLI in 1958 when the, there was no longer a purpose for the rowing lifeboat to be at Whitby and asked if the last remaining rowing lifeboat in the RNLI service could remain at Whitby and become an exhibit at his intended museum. Uh, Eric and then his son, uh, Peter Thompson, who was a coxswain at Whitby, spent a lot of time and effort collating equipment and exhibits to form what is now our Lifeboat Museum. Whitby has a proud history of life-saving. Obviously, we've got several rescues, like the Rohilla, 1914, when 228 people were on a, a, a hospital ship that ran aground off Whitby in the war, and uh, Whitby Lifeboat and also other lifeboats from other ports were involved in the rescue. The museum also commemorates the, the loss of life that Whitby has suffered from when lifeboats have capsized and uh, crew have been lost, uh, and also the, the awards that they've received for rescues. The lifeboat, the Ruby-class Ellen and Robin Robertson, was originally built to, uh, for a station in Ireland and then went to Aberdeen and then eventually arrived in Whitby. But one of the most interesting things that, about the boat is a carriage it sits on. The carriage predates the boat and when I, when I took over the museum it was painted grey and nobody looked at it because it was hidden away behind boards, uh, display boards. But when we redesigned the, the museum it became the, one of the main exhibits uh, of the museum and it's immaculate. It's been restored to a lovely condition and it, it, it looks probably about 1890, we think. Another exhibit that I, I like is the 1903 life jacket that, uh, that was issued to all the crew in Whitby at the turn of the century. Uh, there aren't many left. It's not the cork one. It is a, a more traditional one that's uh, red in colour and it's got number one coxswain on it, so it, we can we can identify who wore it, and it it's on display at the museum. It's 
it sits next to the uh, Corp Lad jacket that's similar to Henry Freeman wore, but it's, it's a lovely item that I like to talk about when I do my talks. And the third item I would uh, choose would be the Mary Roberts suitcase, uh, reputedly belonged to Mary Roberts, uh, who was on the Titanic in 1912 and was one of the survivors uh, with her suitcase. She then went on the, uh, the Rohilla, uh, the hospital ship Rohilla, as it sailed past Whitby and uh, crashed into the, the rocks off Whitby. And she again survived that, that disaster with her suitcase. Uh, certainly, if she was queuing for a, a trip on a vessel, I wouldn't be queuing behind her. But it's a lovely exhibit, and it still shows its age, and it's in lovely condition. Our crews go out in all weathers and conditions at, uh, at the present time, but the equipment they use is superb. But you look at the equipment that used in the 1920s and before then, and it was very basic, uh, and they would go to sea and get wet and get cold for long periods of time and, and survive. And, you know, we, we go to sea now in purpose-built boats with lovely oilies. Uh, you've got to take your hats off to the crew, the, the older crew in the days of weak wetsuits and weak oilies that survived the conditions. The RNLI, I believe, uh, is, is probably one of the most uh, useful organisations that, that we have in this country and the public, not just Whitby public, but the public in general, but believe they have an ownership of the RNLI and enjoy the, the exhibits and also enjoy in the connection with what we do in life. I certainly enjoy explaining to members of the public about the exhibits we've got and the history behind them. It, it, it's a very satisfying role for me. I feel like I can pass on my experiences of when I was a lifeboatman to the, the members of the public, especially young children who've never experienced that type of thing. And it's good because in many respects, people lose the connection to the past. It's Dee Kafari here, and you've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices, or subscribe to the RNLI, wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you. 200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.